Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Lulo. Today, I'm quite thrilled to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. He is M.A. Richter, and his award-winning book is titled Mystic Prince. Even before his long career in software development, he has been a lifelong avid fan of mythology, science fiction, and fantasy works. As a child, he immersed himself in the Golden Picture Books Encyclopedia and Edith Hamilton's Mythology, reading them probably hundreds of times. He also enjoyed C.S. Lewis's Narnia series numerous times until he found his true love of fantasy, The Lord of the Rings, including The Hobbit. While in high school, he ghost-wrote that what might have been the Encyclopedia Hobbitanica if that had not been published first. When he was first introduced to the adventures of fantasy role-playing games with Empire of the Petal Throne, he became enamored with the idea of creating worlds filled with different life forms and a wide variety of professional guilds. He began writing full-length novels while still in high school, and he considers Mystic Prince to be the first of many published novels to come. And I'm so looking forward to finding out more. So welcome to the network. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's good to have you here, and congratulations on the book win. Thank you. Um, I was very surprised and pleased. Oh, well, that's good, especially being a first book. You kind of have a bit of fear, I would imagine, putting it out there and not knowing what's going to come back. There's a little trepidation, yes. I'm, I'm pleased to say that I'm getting all really good Amazon reviews, so that helps. That does help. It keeps you going. So you have had a love for writing since way back when, and so I guess it was just a matter of when you were going to actually put pen to paper and start writing. Uh, well, I've been writing since high school, but it was more a matter of finding a subject that I really liked and then honing it for decades and finally getting an editor to look at it and tell me that she liked it too. And that was probably the biggest boost right there. Sure. Having somebody else kind of give you that uh, affirmation. So maybe give us a peek into the book. What is the book about? It is... An adventure story about a a prince who is also a mystic, which is one of the types of professions they have in this world. And he's been on a mission for his brother, the king, and he comes back and finds out that the viceroy he left in charge of his throne has taken a turn for the worse. And in the process of coming into the capital city on his way to see the king, his signet ring that proves he's the prince is stolen. So he has to re recapture the ring and then go recapture his throne. So where did this idea come from? Was it a dream? Was it something related to something else you read? How did this formulate in your mind? Wow. I've been wondering about that a bit myself. I just... <laughs> I had written something that I won't even speak of that was basically a chronology of an adventure that I did with this fantasy role-playing game that I wrote. And after I finished it, I thought, I'm going to tell a real story, not a game adventure. That's just silly. Mm -hmm. And it started coming to me, and I started writing it down. And the more I wrote, the more it came. And I wrote a whole bunch of books that have been consolidated down. There are more to come in this story, but this one represents the first complete 
episode, shall we say, mm-hmm. that personally I think it could stand on its own, although the readers are left a little bit hanging at the end as to what's going to happen next. Well, that's always good. It gives you the option to either leave it alone or to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the comments I keep hearing from people that have read the book is, when's the next one coming out? That's always a good sign, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So how long did it take for you to go from conception of this idea to actually finish publication? The original conception came to me in, are you ready for this? Hold on to your chair. Okay, should I have a drum roll? 1988. <laughs> and I, I actually started writing this one in, I think it was in 1995. But it's been through a lot. There were massive changes that needed to be done. I had to create the world, and then I had to recreate it for various reasons. And all in all, it's taken me a very long time just to get it to the point where I thought someone should look at it besides me mm-hmm. in a professional manner. And I I have joined a number of writers and interested parties groups and in one of them someone says here try this person and they couldn't do it but they recommended someone else and that person was my editor diana davis johnson who was wonderful she read the book she figured it would take her a couple of weeks and i think she got back to me a week later and said this is great here are my edits and there were a bunch of things that needed to be changed but nothing significant that's a smart idea to join groups of like-minded people. Just be, There's so much to learn, and this way you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Oh, definitely. One of the biggest advances I got before getting it edited was about 10 years ago, I joined a writing critique group mm-hmm. up near UCI. And two of the ladies in that group were master storytellers. And they, we, I actually read most of the book with them. And they helped me hone the characters and get the story straight and cut all the excess junk because the original version was about 50% larger, but that 50% was almost entirely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. That's really difficult to do is to trim and to cut and to think, you know, you fall in love as an author. You kind of fall in love with what you write. It's like, I can't get rid of that, but it's the wise person who does so. I have backup copies of everything, so if I really want to go back and resurrect any part of it, I can do that. But I don't think anything that I added in the last 10 years, anything that I cut out in the last 10 years is going to come back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not likely. I do have a lot of stuff that I saved in secondary files that tell me what I used to think. So I can always go back and pick that up. I just found that to be particularly useful for me because it also helped me keep the background straight so I didn't change things around so that they wouldn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to keep that timeline straight because your listeners, I mean, your readers are paying attention to that. Is there much much research involved? No, I think it was mostly just creative effort. There was a little bit of research in finding out how castles are made how they're constructed and what the various parts are because there are a few castles in the book. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I would say it was just a matter of picturing what I wanted to see or wanted the readers to see and then writing it down in a way that I could get an image of it. Right. 
So I know it started in 1988, but once you really got going on this, what was your process? Were you writing every day? Did you set aside a time or whenever the, whenever the inspiration hit, would you write? How was your process? I would usually sit down for at least an hour a day to do something with it. Sometimes it was just a matter of going back and reading what I wrote to make sure that I had an idea where I wanted to go next. And sometimes I just couldn't stop typing because the story was pouring out of me. Mm -hmm. I love when that happens, when you just feel like something has gotten a hold of you and is taking you on this journey rather than the other way around. Yes, it's really neat to watch my fingers tell me what I'm, what I'm going to say and reading it going, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> oh, I'm not so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you're done writing each day, do you feel energized or do you feel exhausted? It depends. If I had a, a productive day of writing and their words came out, then I always feel great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes at the end of the day, I go, this is a junk, and I have to throw it out because it was so bad. <laughs> That's disheartening, isn't it? You spend a whole day on it. It's like, oh, my gosh, I can't use this. Well, there were parts of the story that disappeared because I wrote myself into a corner, and I, I wound up throwing out. I think one time I wrote myself into a corner, I threw out about five chapters <gasps> because where it was going just wasn't working. Right. And it's, it's dispiriting because I spent a lot of time on that. But at the same time, it's like uh, an inspiration because I know that's not going to work. So mm -hmm. I have to do something different. Absolutely. You figure out what not to do. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So as you're writing this book and as you've been writing your whole life, what do you learn as you write? What do you learn about yourself? What do you come away with that's kind of a gift for you? One of the things I like to think is that I've actually learned English grammar in the process of writing it. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever had formal instruction in grammar in school. And then when I started doing the critique group, one of the first books that everybody recommended was Drunken White, mm -hmm. which is the Bible of English grammar. And it's a really small book, but it covers pretty much everything. The one thing I would say that's a disadvantage to that is I've read some books where I have to cringe at the grammar because it's so bad and I, I'm reading it going, how in the world did any editor let this get past them? So you learn how to improve your grammar from writing, and I imagine every author comes away with that. Anything like personal growth? After you finished this book, did you feel differently about yourself? Well, I felt like I knew more about the real world from writing about it in fiction. Mm -hmm. I also, you mentioned research, and it just occurred to me a lot of the things that I wound up researching are, I have a Roger's thesaurus, one of the older ones, mm -hmm. and they're, I got used to using it because it's not as easy to use it as today's. But one of the things that I found in there was that when I wanted to come up with titles for certain ranks, I went and looked up what are these in other countries and other languages and see what I can use that will be different so I can present something new that really exists and has meaning, mm -hmm. but it's not familiar to the average person reading. Right. I love to inc increase my vocabulary, and I hope that I challenge people, not to the point of looking at it going, what? I don't want to read this, but to the point of, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your cover art. How did that come about? 
that was actually very easy. When my editor finished editing the book, she offered to do the cover and to walk me through the process of publishing it as a bonus. And her original cover looked just like this, except instead of the scepter, it had a dagger. And I thought, nah, that's not right. And I said, you know, he never uses any weapons. So she replaced it with the scepter, and that worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. I love the color. I do, too. It's great when you have a vision and somebody else can create that for you, especially if you're not an artist. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Exactly. So you, you found the right person. I love it. it. She sent it to me, and I went, yep, that's the cover. <laughs> that's exciting. Now, was this uh, self-published? Yes. It, I published it through Kindle and paperback on Amazon. How was that process for you? Did you do that yourself, or did your editor or someone else do that for you? She helped walk me through the process of the Kindle book, and she actually presented all the stuff and handed me what I needed to put in there. For the paperback, it was just a matter of doing a couple of minor massages, like getting the margins right, and that was it. It's a relatively simple, straightforward process, and as a first-timer, it seems really complicated, but I made a few modifications. For one thing, I added the Firebird Award seal to yeah. the cover and republished it. That's what's nice about it is if you read through it and you find an error, you can pull it and, and, and fix it. They add award seals to the cover, so that's pretty neat. But for a first-time author, who somebody that just wants to write, and if they want to self-publish themselves, there is a bit of a learning curve to that. Oh, there's a huge learning curve. Yeah. There's tons of things. It, things that we don't think about. As writers, we want to put words on the page. Right. As publishers, we have to decide... How big is the page? Where are the words going to fit? Do we have to have bleed for images in the book and so forth? In fact, one or two of the things I learned from this publication, one is I needed to put a map in there, and at some point I will put one in. Mm. And I may even issue a freebie for people to buy that includes maps of the world. So, Because a, a number of people have said, couldn't really tell where this was. And the other thing is that I'd like to have some illustrations in the book because I know that when I'm reading fantasy books, having a little picture at the top of each chapter is helpful. Mm -hmm. So how do you promote your book, especially being a first-time author? What steps are you taking to get this book out there? I have joined a number of Facebook groups from with writers, and I've taken a couple of professionally given classes on how to launch your book and how to publicize your book because I'm total amateur at publicity. I have a very small email list that I've gathered from people whom I know have read the book and I'm working on doing more. Part of the problem is I have a, a severely limited budget for advertising so I want to make sure that my advertising dollars are spent effectively and I'm in the process of learning how to do that. You know, we talked about a learning curve for publishing. It's just an equal one when it comes to promotion. And mm -hmm. like we said before, oh, yeah. you know, authors just want to write. 
And you, most of us have a limited budget. You can't just, you know, put up billboards. So you've got to figure <laughs> out you've got to figure out how and the best way to put it out there with the least amount of money and hopefully the least amount of time. So it's a challenge. Yes, it is. Yep. Does social media help? I would have thought so, but what I've learned from some of the experts is that social media. Well, there are certain social media that are more effective for publicity than others. But in general, most people just go to Amazon. Mm -hmm. If somebody wants a book, the first place they're going to look is Amazon, and they'll look for keywords. So it's important to get the right keywords so your book shows up in the right places. Lots to know, isn't there? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what's next for you? What are you working on now? I'm in the process of going through author's edits on the second book. I'm reaching out to establish a beta reader community so that I can get some people to read it and give me suggestions. There are certain particular things I'm looking for. And before I do that, I'm going to hire an editor to edit the second one so that it's at least it will look professional when I send it out for review. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a peek into that one? It picks up literally where the first one ends and goes the next step or two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're big steps. <laughs> You're going to just leave us with that, right? <laughs> yep. So... If you were to write in a different genre, what would you uh, what would you consider? Oh, that's a good question. I've been thinking about writing something nonfiction about my experience with COVID because that was jarring to say the least. Did you have COVID? Yes, I caught COVID in March of last year, and I was in a coma for twenty five days. Oh my. Oh, wow. Were you on a respirator, a ventilator? Yes, I had these two wonderful tubes going down into my lungs. So that when I woke up, I thought it was the next morning. And I did think it was kind of odd. I had all this junk in my nose. Oh, wow. So you went in the hospital not feeling well, and then what happened? Well, I actually collapsed on the living room floor because I was having trouble breathing, and I called 911. Oh. And they said, yeah, you need to go to the hospital. I was admitted originally with a diagnosis of pneumonia, uh-huh. but they figured out pretty quickly it was COVID. And I remember getting loaded into the ambulance. Apparently, I made two phone calls that evening to tell my partner and my sister what was going on. I don't remember those. Uh, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, well, I am too. I'm I'm feeling that there's a reason why I was brought back, and I'm still looking for it, but I'm finding, I have no problem finding motivation to keep going. Sure. No, no, I get that, especially when you have those kind of near-death experiences. It's like a second opportunity that you need to take advantage of. Actually, what I was thinking when I woke up was, Gee, I missed 25 days. It was all black, and I don't have any grandiose near-death experiences to talk about. I didn't see any light. Didn't I don't remember it. I might have gone through all of that, but when I woke up, it was just like I'd woken up from a night of sleep. 
How strange is that? 25 days lost and you have no idea what went on. True. The, the, the strangest part was when I woke up, I couldn't move my left arm at all. And I could barely, it was like I'd been withering and I had to start building up again. It took me six weeks in rehab to be able to walk properly and I'm still having issues with that. Oh my goodness. You know, this is very odd. I just got an email from another author who I'm interviewing in, in two weeks. Very mm -hmm. similar story. She said uh, she's just coming out of this. She had COVID, went into the hospital, was uh, in a coma, I think for three weeks is what she said. Pretty similar mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. And her, the, the, the physicians told the family, we, we have to let her go. You have to let her go. And somehow she came out of it and, and, you know, she's back and again, having a slow recovery, but just so happy to, to be here and to be recovering. It's just, it's, it's crazy that, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing these very similar stories all at the same time. I keep hearing other stories about people lost people to COVID that were younger than me and that probably in better physical shape than I was to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's just very strange. I am blessed and grateful to be alive. Yes, yes. So what, you think you might write something like a little mini memoir of that time? Could be. Mm -hmm. Wow. There are also a couple of causes I'm interested in looking into and writing about, but I'm, I haven't got any clear ideas on them yet. Okay. Well, apparently you have time. How's that? Yes, more than I more than I might have had I not come back. Exactly, exactly. So you got lots to do with the time in front of you. I'm so happy that it worked out that way for you. What a Thank time you. for you. Yes. All right. Well, why don't you, if you will, send us to any places where we can learn more about you and where folks can go to purchase your book. The best place to go, well, actually, there are a couple of places to go. I do have a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and there, the one video I know is up there that I did recently. I'm a distinguished Toastmaster. I've been a Toastmaster for, I don't know, six years. And the they have a an educational path called Engaging Humor. Mm -hmm. It involves giving 15 speeches. The last one is an 18 to 22-minute speech. And that one's supposed to be humorous speech. In all of the speeches I gave, the, big, the single biggest piece of feedback I got was, you need to add some humor to it. The last one I did was about my COVID experience. And everyone who saw it said it was very engaging and very funny. Oh, such a horrible topic. And to insert some humor in it, that's saying something. It was, it was an interesting challenge. And I decided to just go for it and see what happened. And then where to buy my book? Amazon. Yep. Currently, that's the only place where, well, people who are on Goodreads can find it there. And there's a, another one called Books Shelf. Mm -hmm. It's available there, but they're all, they all come through Amazon anyway. So the, the fastest, easiest way is just go straight to Amazon. Okay. And I didn't know this until after I posted it, but you can read up to the first five chapters for free on Amazon. Okay. All right, that'll give people a good head start. So the name of the book is Mystic Prince, written by author M.A. Richter. You can get it on Amazon. 
Wow, thank you for sharing such personal um, stories with us today. I, I appreciate that. Before we leave, is there any final words that you would like to say? I did not publish this book until I could read it through without putting, having to put it down in any place so I can now read it from start to finish so I know my readers can. <laughs> and the next one's going to be the same and the one after and many more to come. All righty. Well, we're going to look forward to that. M.A. Richter and the book is Mystic Prince. Thank you so much for today. Please take care of yourself. I would love to read your next book and have another conversation with you. Thank you, Chris, and great talking to you, and you have a wonderful day, too.